We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here from LakersNation.com, your hope for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com podcast. Thank you to all of you who are listening over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your podcasts, or if you're watching the video version of this over on YouTube, welcome. Make sure you guys are subscribing, regardless of which platform you're on at the moment. Today, I want to talk a little bit about the Lakers and the players they've got on the roster, the different rotations they can put together, what this team looks like, as currently constructed, look, let's face it, we've spent three plus weeks, maybe a month now, talking about rumors and trades and all kinds of stuff. And while we're still waiting for more things to go down, the Lakers themselves have said they are not done. I think it's important that we take a moment and look at exactly where they're at as of right now. Joining me today is Sean Spaces Davis. Sean, before we get into anything else, happy birthday, man. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I spent it the way I have to you know either watching film or in spaces so i chose both of those that's how i spent it that, that's that's not a bad way to spend your birthday now now uh let's see 45 years old now right shocking shocking everybody actually know, right? much older than people think you are how, how does it feel to be 45 man you know it's, it's a little strange you know i'm up there with you guys now um the <laughs> chat thought i was 10 years old so you know 45 i'll take it <laughs> Well, Sean, you know, we, we do wish you the, the very best. I should note that as we're recording this, it's your birthday. Probably most people are watching this the day, the next day or listening to this the next day, although I will publish the audio pretty quickly. But again, happy birthday, man, and, and glad that uh, that you decided to spend your birthday here talking talking Lakers basketball. Particularly, what is wrong with you that you're, here, <laughs> that you're spending your birthday here talking about a team that was, was not fun to watch last season? That was season. not fun to watch. But no place I'd rather be, man, talking uh, ball with either you, Matt, Ron, the guys, any other way. All right, well, let's let's jump into it. So this Lakers team right now, as presently constructed, again, I'll say it one more time, they're not done. They've they've specifically told us we're not done, right? Jeannie Buss has said it. Rob Palenka has said it. So I think it's important that we preface everything that we're going to talk about here with that. I think what's going to happen is over the course of this discussion, though, we're going to uncover why it is that they're not done and why, despite Darvin Ham saying, oh, I'm ready to go with the roster as is. He mentioned that in Summer League a few weeks ago. That's really not the case for the Lakers. They do still need to make some other moves. Uh, I guess let, let's start with, with the new guys. So with the guys that are coming in, what's the optimal way to use each one of these players. And let's start off with the easy one, Damian Jones. How are you, how are you deploying? He's the, he's the simplest one. How do you deploy Damian Jones? I'm going to say exactly what you told me you would do right before we hopped on catch and dunk and be a drop big. And that's it. It's not that hard. Damian Jones is probably the easiest guy to find a way to utilize him. Maybe use him as a drop big. And obviously he should rim run. He should never be, slightly jockey at the floor rim run every single time that allows ad to maybe catch his breath a little bit too so you don't have to have ad rim run because he would be the five um so yeah damian jones you can write it out on a piece of paper darman ham he should already have the damian jones role figure out it's not that hard it, he's kind of like 
I mean, Malik Monk, uh, in terms of what his role is, Malik Monk, you know, his job, he gets on the floor. It's to get buckets. His role expanded a little bit last season. And we saw, you know, he started to get into operating out of the pick and roll, handling the ball, things of that nature. But still, his role is pretty much already set. It is what it is. Malik Monk is going to be Malik Monk, whether he's a Laker, a Sacramento King, whatever. Damian Jones is kind of that way as well, where you know coming in, exactly what he's going to do and there's not a whole lot of variation from team to team how they're going to use him he is that traditional big uh with the modern twist where essentially he's just being asked to set screens roll to the basket catch finish rebound protect the paint that's about it for damian jones but let's let's move on to a more difficult person to project and that's lonnie walker and this is the guy that a lot of people are just not sure of and honestly he's the one that i have the hardest time figuring out exactly how the Lakers are going to deploy Lonnie Walker. Clearly they believe in him. They gave him their full taxpayer mid-level exception. But when I'm looking at this Lakers roster and I'm trying to figure out how you're going to make Lonnie Walker work, I've seen a lot of people try to make the argument that, oh, he's just, he's the replacement for Malik Monk. Malik Monk went and got a lot more money from the Sacramento Kings. Lonnie Walker is going to fit into that role. He's going to be your scorer off the bench. But the efficiency isn't really there on the offensive end of the floor for Lonnie Walker. So how do the Lakers use him? How does Darvinham make him work with this team? I think Lonnie's the toughest, not only because of the skill set, but because Lonnie's role is going to shift so dramatically or your vision for Lonnie is going to change drastically based off if Russ is on the team or if Kyrie's on the team. That was, that was actually mm. going to be my question, uh, Trevor. Is Kyrie here or is Russ here? Let's um, let's assume it's the team as is. So Russell Westbrook is still in the team. I mean, again, again, there's stuff coming, but I I kind of want to get a sense of where the team is at right now, right? So we can understand where these moves need to come from. Um, so let's assume it's Russell Westbrook on, on the roster. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, makes, that makes it a lot more difficult. I know. It makes it a lot more difficult. We just know because if Kyrie's on the team then okay, it's very easy. Lonnie Walker just slashed to the basket, cut all this, whoop-de-whoop, maybe knock down some corner threes. With Russ on the team, that is the definition of skill set duplication because that's what we want Russ to do. So you're like, okay, crap. Ideally, you don't want Lonnie and Russ on the floor at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of running that second unit backcourt with Kendrick Nunn, um, it might change a little bit. Like if he can be more of a league average shooter, but let's just go with the trend of Lakers players uh, shooting worse when they get to LA than better when they get to LA. Well, that that would be very bad because he shot thirty one percent from three last season. Do you do you think that's simply what he is? Five attempts per game from three last season, seventy games. So this is not a small sample size. Thirty one yeah. percent from three, but he shot thirty six percent. If you're rounding up the yeah. previous season on a similar volume. What do you, where does the truth lie? I think he's closer to like 34 ish, okay. which is actually his career. So that actually sounds about right personally. And I think you would have to assume that if there's Kyrie, again, we're talking about the current roster, but like if you have LeBron, at least LeBron and AD, you're going to get more quality looks because the attention is going to be all on those guys. So I think you're probably looking more at like a 34% shooter from three. It's not like his former's mechanics are just terrible. Um, just taking some tough shots, but a guy that can hopefully spot up and knock down some shots for you. But obviously the biggest concern is the defense, mm -hmm. but man, he's just such a freak athlete. I get, I know I'm lower on Lonnie than some people, but dude's just a freak. And um, yeah, but if Russ is on the roster, I say running that backcourt with Kendrick Nunn, being more of the off-ball guy, let Kendrick Nunn be the one playmaking and running the offense with that second group. Lonnie be off the ball, cutting. Darvin Ham should have like 50 plays in his back pocket for backdoor lobs for Lonnie. Um, yeah, Lonnie's role is really, really weird. Um, it is. Even defensively, he can't be point of attack or not yet. I don't know what you do with Lonnie defensively. Maybe just hide him on the on the shooter and hope he just fights around all the screens. You accept for your shooter and try to hide him defensively. But either way, that's tough because you would ideally try to hide Russ or Kyrie. You can't hide two players defensively. So and this is your taxpayer mid level guy. This is the guy <laughs> the that, that you spent you spent the most on, and you're talking about hiding him. Um, well, on points per according points per shot attempt, I think is a great stat uh, on cleaning the glass. Has him in the 21st percentile 
Um, that's that's not good. That's not efficiency from scoring. But again, if he's not a if he's not really a thirty one percent three point shooter, if he's a thirty five percent three point shooter, that that's going to change. Um, but listen to what you, what you're saying. You said you don't want him on the floor at the same time as Russell Westbrook. No. I think you also don't want Taylor Horton Tucker on the floor at the same time as Russell Westbrook, right? Like how <laughs> we start, we start running into problems already where Darvin hand, this stuff's got to be keeping him up at night. If you've got a number of guys who on paper don't fit on the floor with Russell Westbrook, that gets problematic very, very quickly, particularly if the one guy that you spent on <laughs> is one of them. Actually the two guys, right? I mean, Taylor Horton Tucker spent, is, the, is, yeah. is the fourth highest paid player on the roster. Lonnie Walker would be, I guess by default, he's the fifth highest yeah. paid player on the roster. And neither one of them project to be guys that you can put on the floor with, as of right now, your starting point guard. That, I think that's concerning. It might change. If if Lonnie Zach can like turn into a modest or at least an above average defender, things change very quickly. Just based off of our projections in the film we've watched, again, I promise, guys, the film breakdowns come. We try to nag at me at it, jokingly. <laughs> but um, if that changes, which I think he has some potential to fix it, but then we have a different story. But I, man, right now, I don't see it. Okay. So concerns about Lonnie Walker. And again, I just want to go through the new guys so we have kind of a sense, and then we're going to get into more of the, the, the lineup and what that's going to look like. But... Uh, an easy one. I, Troy Brown, I feel like, is an easy one. I think that, you know, going back and forth here, Damian Jones is easy. Troy Brown is also an easy fit. Uh, not as easy as Damian Jones, but easier, certainly, than Lonnie Walker. I mean, he's ideally, he's a, essentially a low-volume shooter. He's not a guy that's going to go score a bunch of points for you, but most likely what he projects out to be is sort of a 3-and-D-style wing. Now, he wasn't that great at being that last season. He's not a high level guy. He's not, you know, like a Danny green or someone like that, or a Robert Covington or anything that's um, that we think of as these kind of high level role players, but that's what he ideally projects out to be. So that that's what you're getting right. Essentially in Troy Brown jr. Is a player who's pretty young can still, I think has some upside and ultimately can be that kind of guy that you just plug into a lot of different situations and has the ability to defend a little bit, some length, and can occasionally knock in a three. Yeah, Trevor, I agree with that assessment. Um, you're really hoping you get 2020, 2021 Troy Brown Jr. back. That guy is kind of why Chicago valued him and really had him being a key part of the rotation last season. If you get that guy back, then it probably expects a little bit more performance-wise because you're playing with a great defensive player, an all-time defensive player when healthy, actually, in Anthony Davis. Mm -hmm. um, now, in terms of what you can do offensively for he's an okay shooter. Again, similar to Lonnie, where you expect him to get a little bit more quality shots next to LeBron and Anthony Davis. And whether it's Russ or Kyrie, you should still probably get some quality looks even with those guys as well. Um, he looks athletic, but that's really more in the open court. When you get into the half court and the spacing is really jammed in, he does. He is not nearly as athletic, so he's more of an open court athletic freak um, that can still like get be athletic in the half court, but it's just not nearly as much in the open floor. Um, so you're saying he's not as athletic as he looks? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm literally saying <laughs> oh, that, yes. Yeah. That's again. That's that's a, usually we hear the opposite, right? We hear guys. Well, he's more athletic than he, than he looks. That. Troy Brown, he looks like he's very athletic, but he's not. Really he's not. Really. I, I promise you. In the open floor, like, man, like, this dude is a freak. In the half court, the dude cannot move in the half court. Oh. Or, like, move as, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, um, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> <laughs> underrated ball handler that can actually sure. make some really nice decisions out of a, a ball screen. How many of those will he get with the Lakers next season? Doubtful, if any. Um, but I, I do like the signing. And again, if you get 2020 Troy Brown Jr. back defensively, especially he shoots. We're just hoping for league average. Honestly, he shoots league average and he gets 2020 defensively back. That's a steal of a contract. Okay. Okay. And, and now again, this is not a volume score or anything. I, right. If you are expecting him to come in and be, uh, you know, 12 points per game type of guy, you're Good probably going to be disappointed because that's, that's just not, really what he does he's more of a very low volume low usage guy but yeah. has the size to be kind of that that wing player that the lakers have been been lacking uh and then the last one of the uh well not the last second to last one of the new guys Juan toscano anderson um another wing player 
not a great shooter from behind the arc, but this is, I, I see him as kind of being that, that glue guy for the Lakers that can be plugged into a lot of situations, probably leaning towards seeing him mostly as a small ball four. That's the way I envision the Lakers using him. I don't know if Dave Darvin Ham will also do that or if he'll use him as more of a true three, but I just think that's where you're going to get the most effectiveness out of him. Pretty solid as a rebounder, just a great hustle guy. Not bad slashing to the basket either. Um, I, I think he's part of what you're getting with Juan Toscano Anderson is culture. What he brings to the team in terms of the energy, the effort, the mindset, the approach to the game. What you want is his mindset to be infectious with the rest of the team. And that, I think, is half the value that you get from having him beyond just what he can do physically on the floor. So there is a reason why a lot of the guys I wanted for the Lakers to target were Warriors guys, Warriors, Bucks players, uh, maybe a Clipper or two. That's because they they play basketball the right way. And as much as we hate the the Clippers or hate the Celtics, for example, I have to admit, man, like they play great basketball and they play it the right way. Juan Toscano Anderson is coming from the best system in the NBA, where every single time down the floor, it's almost like robotic, but with a human touch how they know every single time what look they want, how they're going to get it. And what it's almost like they this program to their head. What time on the shot clock, they want a shot to go up. It's insane. Um, but no, he's a really smart basketball player who they really, really relied on that 2020 season. I hate keep going back to that, but for Juan is fair. They really, really relied on him and he did, he did well. Um, at times he was guarding the best player. He held his own. It was a game against the Blazers where he really, really did a good job guarding Damian Lillard. Um, but I do agree, small ball four is fair, who can knock down a three ball well. Um, and then this year, he didn't play as much, but that's because we got Wiggins all year. Draymond, I mean, Draymond was in and out, but like even then, he was there most of the year. Uh, trying to integrate the young guys, uh, Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga, Clay Thompson yeah. came back, Jordan Poole keep rising up through the ranks. So that's really why he started to fall out of the rotation a little bit more. But I don't think it's due to because he's the bad players because they literally didn't have enough roster spots, I felt like, at times, or rotation spots available. Um, I love the pick. I think when we did our top free agent signings, you, me, and Ron, I think I picked JTA. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for him. And I think he's the most flexible out of all the guys that we signed in terms of where yes. you can put him on the floor. Like, there isn't a lineup where I'm like, eh, okay, he can't be on this on the floor with this group. So that's, I a, think that's, that's another positive. Point. That's yeah. that's a great point. When we talk about Lonnie Walker, Taylor, Taylor Horn Tucker, do we want them on the floor with with uh, Russell Westbrook? Do you want you know how do you how exactly do you use these guys? I JTA on paper, yeah, we'll see how it plays out in the season. But I imagine him as being the guy where Darvin Ham's going to be able to look down the bench and just say, and it doesn't matter who's on the floor, who's and just say floor. JTA, you're in, and feel totally confident. In, in him stepping in there and getting the job done and doing what he what he needs to do. You mentioned that he is uh, that those type of players are robotic, but with a human touch. So I I imagine JTA essentially being the vision then from from the MCU. That's <laughs> that's what he is. He is he's the vision. Hopefully, he'll hopefully play Golden State in the playoffs. Hopefully, yes, yeah. And I hope it's uh, he still has the Mind Stone. Hopefully, we're getting that yes. version. Yeah, of uh, no. of the vision. Quick question. Uh, would you agree that Juan's probably the fourth or fifth most flexible in terms of, like, you don't care who's on the floor? Assuming, like, LeBron, AD, yeah. Austin, him? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's probably about where I'd have him ranked. Um, Stanley Johnson is probably in that category a little bit as well, who maybe is getting overlooked. But we'll we'll talk about him when we get into these uh, these lineup conversations. But yeah, I think he's he's certainly up there in terms of the flexibility and the plug and playness of of him. I think he's up there on the team. Yeah, totally. Uh, and then the last one, of course, Thomas Bryant, uh, another guy who is, is returning to the Lakers. Similar job description as Damian Jones, but also has the ability to step out and shoot the three. I I think we're going to see. And this is me being optimistic, not to steal Matt Matt's uh, stick here, Steve. but. Yeah, but uh, but I think we're going to see not the uh, not the, the Thomas Bryant that we saw this past season, but the Thomas Bryant from the season before. I'm talking about the 100% healed Thomas Bryant. I think we saw a guy who was still recovering from injury this past season, but he, again, he specifically told us 
in his introductory presser that he feels 100% and he he made sure everybody knew everybody knew he feels 100% great not good, not good but great so i'm expecting to see a bounce back from him in terms of numbers going back to um the previous season numbers from him when he was shooting well what do you shoot from 3 i mean i am expecting him to be 35% plus from three, I don't see think we're going to see the guy that was 29% that we did last season. And I expect him to be uh, a factor on the boards, uh, certainly more of one than he was this past season, which Damian Jones, by the way, has struggled a little bit in terms of making an impact on the boards. Thomas Bryant did last season, but in previous seasons, he's been pretty solid there. And that's what I would expect to see out of him now. I agree. I don't even want to add anything else. I think you hit everything on the head there. Okay, so let's get into then this roster as it currently sits. Let's assume, and I know there's a lot of Lakers fans that would make arguments against this, but let's assume Russell Westbrook is the starting point guard. I would imagine at the beginning of the season, assuming Russell Westbrook is telling, and again, this is an assumption, but if he's telling Darvin Ham, I will do everything you're asking me to do. I will play this role that you have set out for me. I will be essentially a $47 million Bruce Brown which is kind of what I'm picturing from, from what Darvin Ham has described as Russell Westbrook's role. He's talked about how he doesn't want him to worry too much. If he isn't the one to get the defensive board, he doesn't have to go back to the ball and get it and be the guy bringing the ball up. Go figure. That was a problem last season with Frank Vogel reportedly, but he wants Russ to get out ahead and run to the corners. He wants Russ to, and I quote, shoot more corner threes than he ever has in, in his entire career. That's what Darvin Ham wants from him. He wants him to be in the dunker spot. He wants him to be slashing. He wants him to be setting screens. So again, $47 million Bruce Brown is essentially what I'm picturing for uh, for Russell Westbrook. Anthony Davis, LeBron James, those two guys clearly on the floor. What else is the starting lineup looking like? How do you build this out if you're the Lakers? And I, I think we start with what position does Anthony Davis play? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From everything it's looking like, AD is likely going to play the four, I think. So that's the case. The other two starting spots are kind of easy. I think it's Austin Reeves and then pick your choosing between Thomas Bryan, Damian Jones, whoever wins the camp battle, I guess, gets the starting spot. Um, I mean, for, for your sake, Trevor, I'll be nice. Let's say Damian Jones wins the spot. I don't, it um, doesn't, whoever is the, is truly the best fit. I, I think you can make a really strong argument for Thomas Bryant being the yeah. better fit because of the shooting ability, but, but sure. Whichever one of them wins it. Yeah. Yeah. So the starting five is actually the least difficult, honestly. Even if even if Kyrie's here, I think the starting five is pretty set because it'll be Kyrie, Braun, AD in a very similar spot. Pick your center, and then if you bring in Joe Harris, you probably go Joe Harris, or you could go Austin for the defense. So it's pretty easy. Now here's here's a challenge and a question really around this Lakers team, and we talk about AD. Is it better for him, the individual player, to play the four? I think you can make that argument. Looking at the stats, the Lakers, now that again, this is a small sample size because we didn't see many games when Russ, LeBron, and AD were on the floor together. But in the games that they were, the lineups with Anthony Davis at power forward were disasters. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, they terrible, I mean, just complete disasters. Now, 
we should note though that that meant the center was DeAndre, DeAndre Jordan, Jordan was the one who got the most opportunities there, and then it was Dwight Howard. So obviously, going from DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard, both in their mid thirties, varying degrees of of washed, if you will, to Thomas Bryant and Damian Jones, both in theory having a lot more spring in their step. That certainly matters in, in this discussion, but there was one lineup or one rotation that had those three guys in it that actually looked okay. I mean, can I guess of, it? What's that? Do you know it off the top of your head? If so, can I guess it? Yeah, I do know it. Uh, Russ, Austin, LeBron, Stanley, AD. You are close. You're close. Who do, who do you take out, Stanley? Austin. Monk? Okay. That and now again, this is a tiny sample size. I believe, according to cleaning the glass, they had about forty-eight. This is off the top of my head. I think they had forty-eight possessions together. Oh, that's nothing. That's like yeah, a- yeah. I'm talking, <laughs> that's nothing. But but their point differential was a plus ten per one hundred possessions. It was like plus ten point four. So okay. But overall, they got five hundred plus possessions with the three of them on the floor, and without a center on the floor, without DeAndre Jordan, without uh, Dwight Howard. They rated out as a negative 0.1 in terms of net rating per 100 possessions. Everything else with a true center on the floor was a drastically negative net rating last season. So whether you're putting in Stanley Johnson, Austin Reeves, Malik Monk, whoever, again, all of this is small sample size size stuff. But in general, having a center on the floor with those three guys did not work for the Lakers last season. So that's really where I think we, we start here with this is do you feel confident that Damian Jones and or Thomas Bryant can succeed playing the five with AD at the floor, despite the numbers last season saying that your three stars together, you had to have AD at the five for it to work? Yeah, I think, first of all, there's two big reasons why I'm a lot more confident than I would be even after looking at those numbers you said, Trev. Um, one, you are making a coaching change, and mm-hmm. I think that is a big reason why the system you're going to run is way different than what you ran last season. Um, that's going to prioritize off ball movement a little bit more, which is going to free some things open. Even though the the base is the same, both teams ran four out one in. It's going to look totally different next season. Um, I had to think about. I saw about that. They ran four out one in with DeAndre Jordan and Anthony Davis, who could not shoot. That was that's hilarious. And, um, and Russell Westbrook. And Russell Westbrook. <laughs> Um, and then secondly, I think Damian Jones and Thomas Bryant are better bigs than what you had last year. And I think it's by a lot. If you look at DeAndre, that's a no brainer. He was really, really bad last year. And then the white, he had a stretch where he looked really, really good, but that was around the same time the offense started clicking. But, um, for the first 60 or so percent of the season, he really struggled as well, or just didn't look like the same Dwight that we saw even two years ago. Uh, so I think you have better bigs, you have better options to put an XAD, like, Damian Jones is a traditional drop big that can allow AD to play all the perimeter a little bit more. And then Thomas Bryan more so offensively helps because of the stretch big ability, which is something which is why we're so intrigued by Jay Huff, his ability to stretch out, knock down shots, and even his passing ability as well. So I think they're better fits, I think they're better players, and I think you're making a drastic coaching change, which should help as well. Yeah. So ideally you will find success there with running a traditional five. Now that doesn't mean that Anthony Davis isn't going to play the five. I think he is going to. I mm-hmm. think we're going to see those situations um looking at that Malik Monk is no longer a Los Angeles Laker his three-point percentage would be uh, if he was to magically get transported to the current roster he would be by far the best three-point shooter 39 percent from three last season that's part of what made that lineup that I referenced work was that you had Malik Monk's ability to shoot now defensively he was not a great player but how much pressure are we putting on Austin Reeves to be that too and be able to knock down the three consistently if he's got to fill that Malik Monk role. If that's, I mean, in terms of floor spacing, it took Malik Monk being on the floor to help open things up and everybody was afraid of his three-point shooting ability. Defenses were, can Austin Reeves be that? I think, I think we hope he can. I think we're all really high on Austin Reeves. Um, I think we're also going to see a big boost from Kendrick Nunn, which you never wish on a player being hurt, but I think, Malik, I think Kendrick not being hurt was the best thing that could have happened to Malik Monk because hindsight being 2020 here, are we sure Malik Monk has that good of a season if Kendrick Nunn's there? 
because then some of the things you relied on Malik Monk to do, Kendrick Nunn would have did that. Um, so you're hoping if you get a, he- a healthy Kendrick Nunn, the Kendrick-, Kendrick Nunn comes back shooting around that 38% clip they shot Miami, then okay. But I think the difference, with, which is why you're saying Malik Monk leaving, how worried is that, should we be about that? Because the way they create their own, the way that they get the three-point shots are way different. Malik can do his a little bit more off the bounce, where Kendrick, not saying he can't create his own three-point shot, but it's definitely more relying on other players getting him quality looks. Um, so hopefully Austin Reeves can develop into that, but you're also hoping on some of these other guys to be a little bit better. Stanley, is he really working? Well, he has, but is that going to translate? Hopefully it does. Austin, we know he's working. Kendrick, can he stay around that 38%? Um, hopefully we get Kyrie and Joe Harris, so you're like, okay, cool. We don't have to even worry about Austin. Well, we do, but if Austin shoots really well, that's just a positive instead of it being the end of the world if he hasn't developed the jump shot yet. Are we overlooking Stanley Johnson with the, with the new guys that are coming in? He was pretty good yeah. for the Lakers last season. Like He's another one of those guys where if he gets to that, if he goes from off the top of my head, what was he? Maybe 33% from three last season, 32, something like that. If he gets to 35, 35 that's a big, that's a big yeah. difference. And you know, his his defensive capabilities, I think, are going to be really important. As much as we look at like, like uh, there's some similarities year. in terms of what you're trying to get out of Troy Brown Jr. and Stanley Johnson. I I could see a scenario where the Lakers could plug him into the starting lineup. Now that might not be necessarily the ideal situation, but he's got the size. He's got the physicality. If that shooting comes along even just a little bit, you could run him as your starting three, potentially as your, your three, four alongside LeBron. If AD does, uh, does start at the five. Can we agree that if Stanley is a 35% three point shooter, he's better than Troy Brown. Yeah. I think you could make the argument that Stanley Stanley last season was better than Troy Brown last season. Yeah. Yeah. Even, I think though, if, even though Troy Brown shot a bit better from three, I think the other stuff would be in Stanley's favor. Yeah, no. The defense was was huge. I mean, we were, yeah, at times he was our best defender, especially that first month, and then he kind of tailed off. But I don't want to say unmotivated, but he, he tailed off for a second, and then that last month or so, he was able to turn that switch back on. Um, yeah, I think if, if Stanley's good, I honestly feel Troy Brown, not saying that he can't play or whatever. I think Troy Brown's just getting wing, wing depth, honestly, because you look at the wings that we have, are we considering Austin a wing or more of a guard? More of a guard, I think. Okay. So Braun, JTA, Stanley, Troy, like I'm missing somebody, um, or guys that can play the three or the four. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's, it's JTA, but. There, there is one. We're going to get to him in just a minute, but the elephant in the room here is Taylor Horton Tucker. And, and we can probably list him. You could list him in either him. category as a guard yeah. or a wing. So let's list him as a wing because if he, he's coming off the bench likely and you already have none in Milani. So let's list him as a wing. That's five wings. You're not playing all five more than likely. And as long as Stanley is shooting around league average, I think he is the better player. Like you said, I think he's better now, maybe even. Um, so maybe Troy Brown's just depth, you know, like, Hey, somebody gets hurt or there's a, you it's know, fine. which is fine. Yeah. Um, I like Stanley a lot, man. I think ideally if he's really shooting league average, he's a fringe starter or honestly, he could start some playoff series, especially when you want to go small ball and have AD run your five. Like we saw against Houston in 2019, 2020 in the bubble. So now one thing to be a little bit cautious with, again, according to cleaning the glass, Stanley Johnson in all of his previous seasons, his points per shot attempt in terms of just his overall shooting efficiency, he was in the ninth percentile, the third percentile, 14th, Jeez. 17th. The, his best season was the one right before he became became a Laker. He was in the 18th percentile. As a right. Laker, the 64th percentile. So uh, we could chalk that up. Maybe it was just he happened to, to get going with his back against the wall. And, you know, he was about, he was essentially out of the NBA. Um, maybe it's playing with LeBron, open things up for him a bit. Maybe it's a, a little bit of all of the above. But again, when you see such a drastic shift in one of those numbers like that, you have to hope that we are not primed for regression next season. I don't think we are. I just think it's something that's worth mentioning that he was drastically better 
in terms of his offensive efficiency as a Laker than what we had seen at any other point in his career. How did we only get five possessions of Russ, Reeves, Stanley, Braun, and AD? We only got five right? possessions of that last year. I think because by the time Stanley got in and Reeves was really cruising, that was when we saw AD and LeBron essentially tag teaming in and out of the lineup. And you, they just weren't all healthy at the same time. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. Fair point. I was about to say that's, that's really a coaching blunder there. But we only got five minutes. Well, but, but there, fair point. 41 yeah. different starting lineups in 82 games. I think, I think it's a symptom of that more than, than yeah. anything else. I, because I agree. Like if you were to ask me what, what five players from last year's team are you putting on the floor or perhaps what five players from this year's team are you closing with? That's probably my closing five would be would be those five right now um, with Malik Monk gone. It's Reeves and Stanley Johnson alongside uh, your three quote unquote stars. <laughs> quote unquote. Yeah, because you're not benching Russ. Otherwise, I'd push for Kendrick Nunn for the shooting. And he is a better defender, too. But it's... is there would you consider Kendrick Nunn starting with with Russ? No, 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 okay. no, no. Because that I've seen that's been going around. People have been been discussing that on on uh, on Twitter and and other and Lakers Reddit and stuff. We've seen that pop up every now and then. Like, hey, could Kendrick Nunn with his thirty eight percent three point shooting? Could you just run a two guard backcourt with Ross? And I agree. I think defensively you've got some concerns there, but like you've got defensive concerns with Lonnie Walker as well. So. I understand why people are looking at it, but ultimately I agree. I don't think, I don't think you do it. Yeah. No. So the elephant in the room, as much as we, we look at these lineups and we're trying to piece this together and figure out ways to make this work. Taylor Horton Tucker, we haven't even really talked about yet. And this is, this should, should be his time to shine, right? He's the fourth highest paid player on the team. Obviously, he had some injury concerns last season, came into it with a torn ligament in the thumb of his shooting hand, which he suffered that injury in preseason last year. I think it took him a while to bounce back from that. But even so, he's never been a great shooter for his career. If you look at his free throw percentage, that maybe gives you some hope that he's truly a better shooter than what his three-point percentage reflects. Um, but where does THT fit into all of this? Because you paid him to be a major, major piece to this. And so and, and so far, we're, we're talking about guys on minimum contracts ahead of him right now. Oh, man. I want to preface this by saying I really do like THT. Mm -hmm. I think he does have some potential there. Um, I, I will give him the benefit of the doubt as well. Like you mentioned, this is his first real NBA offseason because after the championship, it felt like we got 30 days of an offseason and then right back to it. And then last year, he goes in the last uh, last season or last offseason. Crap. He goes in the last season dealing with that torn ligament in his thumb. Right. Um, so now he gets his first real offseason where he gets to train. I think that's why it's like really, he was really excited to be able to play in the Drew League, although he didn't it perform wasn't good that well. Yeah, he didn't perform that well, I guess. Um, but man, where does he fit? Because we saw last year, him and Russ are water and oil. They do not mix well together at all on the floor together um do do lonnie and walker do does lonnie walker and tht do they could they fit together they fit better i think they fit better because lonnie doesn't need the ball in his hand to be effective again just back backdoor cut galore have him slash do whatever tht operate as the ball handler i think they fit better than russ and tht or russ and lonnie uh okay. russ and lonnie's not the worst honestly so how do you use THT? Knowing here he is, he's your $10 million man. In theory, we should be, I mean, we were, we're talking about the starting lineup. In theory, that should be Taylor Horton that Tucker there. THT, yeah. And yet, I I can't imagine putting him in the starting five alongside with Russell Westbrook. And that's not all on THT. A lot of that's on, on Russ as well. But what do you do with him? If essentially he can't really be on the floor at the same time as Russ, what are we talking about here? 18 minutes a game for THT? Because Russ is going to play 30? <laughs> 30 is an eighth. That's funny. Um, if Russ is on the team and THT, you're plugging in the same player from last season and this one because we don't know if the shooting's there or not. We don't know 
maybe this is just who he is as a defender. Who knows? Hopefully he gets better there. Um, then I literally don't know, Trevor. That's the one player I promise you I have no clue what you do because I don't know. That's the it, best answer I got. I feel I feel sad that that's my best answer, but that's my best answer. I don't know. It's it's absolutely a challenge for the Lakers to to figure out what they're going to do for Coach Darvinham to figure out what he's going to do. Um, points per shot attempt, he was in the 14th percentile last season. It's not good. Um, not good at all. Uh, I do think there's still a lot of talent there. There's still a lot of upside for him. But this is part of why when we look big picture at when the when Ginny Buss says we're not done, when Rob this Palenka is says we're not, done. we're not done, of course you're not. You've got what you have three of your five most expensive players are at best awkward fits together with Russ THT and Lonnie Walker. Yeah. Of course you're not done. You've got to figure out some way to mix this up, whether it means, I mean, I know Lakers fans are, are hoping it's going to be a Russell Westbrook trade, but I mean, the response I'm seeing around the NBA is basically fans of every other team want to just annihilate the Lakers in any kind of a Russell Westbrook trade. They want to two, see that. Two first round, two first round picks and a Julius Randle deal. Get out of yeah, here. Yeah, I mean, the, and again, other fans are going to have their own bias put into this and everything, but that's that's what I'm seeing from other fan bases is this assumption that any deal, I don't care who's coming back, if Russell Westbrook is leaving the Lakers roster, the cost is both first round picks. Now, again, that's not reality. That's other fans. But there is a degree of that out there in the NBA that the Lakers are desperate and you need to take advantage of them. And that means you're getting those picks or you're getting at least one of those picks. Mm-hmm. So uh, a Taylor Horton Tucker trade, is that there? Because something has to give. I don't think you can go into the season looking at it and saying, Lonnie Walker, THT, and Russ, okay, Let's Darwin, we, we can't really play the three of them together. Figure out some way to have them not... I mean, maybe you could share some minutes between Lonnie Walker and THT, but that gets really awkward really quick. I didn't sign up for this. That's what I would do if I'm Darwin right now. I quit. <laughs> <laughs> I changed my Come mind. Dar- no, Darwin's not walking away from a challenge. Come on. He's know, he's running through brick walls and bringing everybody else with him. But Darwin, if you're watching this, I could really use like a press conference right now about <laughs> you just planning on using he's- THT. He's done a few podcast appearances recently. Go check those out. Um, they are very inspirational as always, but this is this is why the Lakers can't be done because I like their signings, but when you start to actually sit down and put together a rotation and figure out who's going to play where and realize that you've lost Malik Monk, who was a guy who made some things work for you, you... I don't see how you roll into the season with the roster as is. I think you need to, at the very least, move one of Russ or THT. Are we going to put a whole rotation together? Because I'm totally was about, I'm playing one and I have my notepad open. I'm legit. Let's do it. So what's your, so what's your starting five then with the, with the roster that the Lakers have right now, if let's say Adam Silver says, surprise, we're going to start the season tomorrow. What is the Lakers starting five for you? Okay. Are we doing 12 or 10? Really quick. We can do 12. Okay. Uh, Russ, Austin, LeBron, AD, Thomas Bryant. Okay. So there's, so there's your starting five. You're going with AD at the four. And uh, and you're going with that big, big lineup. Okay. So now who's... What's your bench rotation? Um... Kendrick, Kendrick, Lonnie. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pretend THT is getting traded, but I don't know for who. So, because yeah, I don't yeah, know where we're, he. We're, we're doing this as though it's it's the lineup right now. Kendrick, Lonnie, I guess THT, but I don't know it, where it, it he starts. Put. It starts to feel bad really quick. And honestly, I'm, if we're just going off surely off a of fit, it would be Kendrick, Lonnie, Stanley, JTA, uh, Damian Jones. We're just going off a fit. Okay. Stanley, JTA, Damian Jones. So THT isn't even in a 10-man 
for just going off of, just going off of it because I don't know how you can convince me that THT with this roster makes any sense. Yep. And then okay. and then your two reserves that you may call upon if need be. THT, THT and Troy Brown. Yeah. And here's the crazy thing, right? Troy Brown is the easier plug and play. It's easier guy. plug and play. <laughs> the easier fit. This and this sounds incredibly negative about THT, and I'm not. Like I, I still think he's a very like. talented player. I, I'm yeah. I'm purely looking at when we get into the fit. It's Can't just tell me so it it's so difficult. Yeah. It's so difficult to try to get him to fit. Now, if you tell me next season, look, last season was a thumb ligament injury problem, and next season THT is gonna shoot 36% from three. That makes it a lot easier. But I can't say that that's what I'm expecting to happen. When What, what did he shoot, like 29% from three last season? It was bad. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I actually kind of like this. Now, you really have to sell me on Russ getting a work. But outside of that, in just terms of a roster, it's not the worst, actually. 27%. He's a 28% three-point shooter for his career, Taylor Horton Tucker Worth is. Yeah. Um, so you're saying you, you like this this rotation yeah yeah what, you, um, what is it because i am I'm, I'm concerned what is it about it that that you that you like I, i'm hoping you can you can provide be the optimist here and, and explain to me what what it is that that you like about it yeah i'm about to change my name from spaces to optimist here for a sec <laughs> no look and this is why i think kudos to rob and in, in the front office i think they came in with the biggest agenda this offseason which is for the most part get younger, more athletic, and be better defensively. Damian, JTA, excuse Lonnie for a sec, Thomas, and then Troy Brown. I think you accomplished that. You're getting a healthy Kendrick Nunn back, which I really think is going to help a lot. HBK and Stanley hopefully improving. You get a healthy LeBron and AD. I probably soldiered all of that. The biggest thing is just this, this giant elephant in the room, and it's Russell Westbrook. But – Man, you swap Russ out for player that we're hoping to get. Mm-hmm. That then, changes a lot. Yeah. And nah. I think you have a chance. You have a puncher chance to win the title with this roster. Not because of the depth or whatever, any of that, not because of any of the signings, but because you have a healthy LeBron and AD puncher chance regardless of who's on the roster. How much better is this team if you took Taylor Horton Tucker? Lonnie Walker, Russell Westbrook, three of your five highest paid players, and you just turned them into an amalgamation of an average NBA player. They shoot an average three-point percentage, average turnover rate, average points, rebounding assists, all of that. Just a completely average player. How much better is this team? You took out Lonnie, Russ, and THT. I'm I'm taking out your, your three, I think, most difficult fit concerns. What's your lineup then? None. HBK, Braun. Okay, so that doesn't change. Well, but I'm saying, like, you you put guys that can fill those positions, but they're just like yeah, whatever, they're just whoever average. you think whoever you think is an average point guard at this at this point, you put that person in there. Just say Mike Conley's yeah. average. Sure. Yeah. Let, okay. Let's say it's I don't know Mike Conley. Let's say it's I don't know who you'd want to say it in, in Lonnie Walker's spot. Be like a. Gosh, I mean, there's a, there's a few guys that you could put in there, um, like Evan Fournier or, or whatever, right? Like a two, and and then you put in a three, whoever, for, for THT. Just, again, another average player. But the fit is better. This team would be significantly better, right? Yeah. And that, um, I know that was an awkward way for me to get there, but. <laughs> no, you're good. No, yeah, I, I think this team would be better. I would have a little bit more confidence about this team, too. Um, also, all those guys, or at least two of those guys that we did mention, they're better shooters. Um. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
that's the thing that I guess really just pops off at you looking at this because there is a large possibility. Stanley stays about the same shooter. Uh, Lonnie doesn't get much better. JTA is just an average three-point shooter. HPK is about the same, 33-34%. And then you're relying on THC and Russ. Like, those are, like, well, not relying, but, like, there's a large outcome or possibility that we're looking at these signings. You're like, yeah, none of these guys that the Lakers are hoping can provide some of that shooting does. And that's why you're like, hey, shooting, shooting, shooting. So I think that there's you can make strong arguments for Stanley Johnson, Austin Reeves, Anthony Davis, Lonnie Walker. There's probably some other ones, but those are the four that come to mind initially are better from three this season than they were last season. However, if you do, if you run the numbers, and I did, they if everybody shoots from three, the exact same percentage and, and volume that they did their previous season, including Kendrick Nunn, so go back two seasons for him, um, the Lakers are tied for the worst three-point shooting team in the NBA with the Oklahoma City Thunder, based on last year's numbers. Man. Yeah, and that, that that's bad? that's and it's I think it's just it's because you've got enough guys who are just below league average and you don't have anybody who's really significantly above LeBron James to, is our second best shooter. Like, right? I mean that's that's the problem is you don't have those guys and I I said it a bunch of times I would rather have a guy who's a 35% shooter from 3 and a solid defender than a guy who's a 42% shooter from three and a terrible defender, but not having those high percentage guys, it's not doing enough to drag your overall averages up. Now, again, if everybody shoots league average, they all have to be accounted for behind the arc and then you're probably okay, but you're just kind of teetering on that, that line. And so that, that brings me to your essentially with this team, you are, I, I don't, I don't want to come across overly negative because I'm not, I do like the moves the Lakers made, you're relying on some guys to see improvements from behind the arc from last season. Heavily also, relying on because if right. those things don't happen, then we'll then, then you're in trouble. I think you're also relying on guys on veteran minimum contracts to outperform their their, their, their paycheck. Stanley, right? I mean, JTA, the bigs, technically Austin. Because I, I, like, if, if I had to ask you right now, who has a better season next year, Austin Reeves or THT? Austin Reeves and THT makes, makes what five times what Austin Reeves Something makes, like but, that, yeah. but we're like, they're very reliant on Austin Reeves having that kind of a season. Mm -hmm. Same thing with Lonnie Walker, right? Who's making significantly more and he's got upside. He's got potential. Maybe he hits and he proves us all wrong. And everybody who's doubting him looks foolish. That I, I hope that's what happens. I think he does have, have a lot of potential, but they're reliant on him or relying on him to, to do that, to make that kind of a leap this season if they're going to get to where they want to go with the roster as presently constructed, which is why I keep going around and around. The only way this roster makes sense is with a move. And I think that might be the only way that you truly unlock some of these guys and allow them to get to where you need them to go. That should be the title of this video, man. Like changes need to be made or something like, or this doesn't fit. Cause it really does it. I feel like we're unlocking just unlocking the Lakers, unlocking <laughs> the Lakers. Actually, that's a better one that I came up with, but no, like seriously, I feel like that's just been the whole gist of this video or this podcast is like, there are some guys who are like, okay, cool. We like it or whatever, but there, you, you got to find the, the magic key or you, you're looking for that infinity stone. So you can have the gauntlet. You can make the gauntlet work. But that Infinity Stone's name is Kyrie Irving. Because without Kyrie Irving, this roster makes no sense whatsoever. And then you're, you like we've said, like you just said, Trevor, we're so heavily relying upon Austin shooting better than what he did last year and maintain that level defensively. None being healthy. Lonnie you, unlocking his potential. Stanley shooting better. JTA being able to show he's a legit rotation piece and shoot league average at least. Uh, t magically finding a fit for Taylor Horn Tucker on this roster. You're relying on a lot of stuff from very much so unproven guys on most of them being on better minimum contracts or rookie deals because you can throw in Cole Swider is there as well, I guess. So, yeah, man, 
And I was the optimistic one in this episode, but <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, like I, I, I don't want to sound, I, I know I come across as overly pessimistic just when I'm looking at this is, this is more why I'm optimistic that indeed moves are coming. I think that's, that's really the way I, I should have been presenting this. Right. I don't no. want fans to think that I'm not optimistic for the, I'm excited for this next season. I think the Lakers made some solid additions. I think mm -hmm. that some of these guys have the potential to really hit, particularly when we look at their age. Like it's reasonable to assume that Troy Brown Jr. will be better since he's what, 23 years old than he was last season. It's reasonable to assume that Austin Reeves will get better to assume that Taylor Horton Tucker will get better. Cause that's what guys in their early twenties tend to do. Um, so it's not, I'm, I'm not trying to sound like I'm not optimistic, I think, but just looking at this roster and we start going over things, it just becomes that much more clear that even if it's not a Russell Westbrook trade, which I know we hope it is, but even if it's not that something needs to happen here in order to get this team to where they need to go, even if, and it might even be a mid season move. We'll, we'll have to wait and see, but let me, let, let's wrap up with this. Is this year's team as it currently sits better than last year's team without even blip crap i just blinked but uh <laughs> what i was gonna say was without blinking yes this team is way better than last year's team i think your upside looking at what last year's team did and your upside this year is way higher um again you're relying on a lot of things to work and i think your margin of error is a lot is really really small it's really really small because injury happened bam what happens there um some of these guys that we just talked about their shooting doesn't hit yikes so but i do think this team is better even if some of those things that we talked about don't pan out i still think you're a better roster this is a better roster than last year it makes it makes still makes more sense than last year's roster because that roster is just really 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 bad um especially for a defensive-minded coach and that's the vibes darwin's giving off although i think it'll be more of a mixed blend of the two um but yeah, I think it's better. But I was going to ask you, Trevor, before we hopped off here, how much better is this team? You swap Russ for Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. Uh, significantly, significantly better. Uh, I, I think you suddenly have some concerns at the point guard position because you didn't get a point guard back. And do you really want to count on Kendrick Nunn to be your lead ball handler? I know we can say, well, LeBron can be the point guard. You just bring in, just put in Buddy and but who's defending ones at that point. I think that's where you could, even though you're going down a roster spot there, like you're losing a spot. If you give up Russ and, and bring back miles Turner and buddy healed. That's we where when man, I forgot about when Yeah. I mean, that's, that's another guy that we needed. We need to talk about here, but um, have it helped me. Uh, do you go get Dennis Schroeder? Like, <laughs> Like really, I mean, if you if you move Russ and you don't get back a point guard, maybe, maybe, maybe. like I I don't know, but but I think you would need to find another point guard somewhere just to balance things out a bit. But I think you would be significantly better with the shooting that you can provide. Maybe you're in a situation where one of Damian Jones or Thomas Bryant isn't playing, uh, isn't getting minutes because mm -hmm. now Miles Turner is eating up a lot of those minutes at the five. Um, so that's probably what you're looking at there. Mm -hmm. But uh, but I think that would make a, a pretty significant difference if only because you're taking, in theory, a guy who doesn't really fit that well in Russ and you're replacing that with at least a guy who's a threat from behind the three-point line in, in Buddy Heald. Um, I still think Russell Westbrook is better than what we saw last season. I Darvin Ham is convinced he can make it work. Again, I'm going to be skeptical until we see it. I think we've probably gone a little too far to where we see Russell Westbrook as just a complete and utter negative on the floor that is incapable right. of doing anything. And I think we've, we've probably, we've gone too far with that. I know there's a lot of frustration regarding him and again, right, rightfully so, but we've probably gone a little bit too far there, but I do think fit wise you get those two guys and it just makes more sense when you're trying to, when we're doing this exercise and we're trying to figure out what a rotation looks like, it's a lot easier to plug in a Lonnie Walker. It's a lot easier to plug in. Like, like you, you could put Taylor Horton Tucker next to Buddy Heald. No, that's not the best defensive backcourt, but offensively, they actually complement each other pretty well. Right? So, I was, yeah. I was going to say this. This was a mock lineup in my head. LeBron's a main ball handler. Preference that now because people are going to yell at me by my 
to my point guard, quote unquote, point guard option and the other guard. But Reeves, Heal, LeBron, AD, Miles Turner in that scenario. And, and then, then your Reeves, Heal, LeBron, AD, Miles. Yeah. Yep. And then your th- quote unquote three guards off the bench are still the same, being none, um, none. Lonnie and THT, but you can fit those guys way easier. It's like technically, even though now the lineup gets a little bit weirder because now, you know, your rotation is deeper as well. I feel because you might say, I don't know, one of your wings that you just got your 11th and 12th man, but let's say if JTA is your 11th man, he's still going to play because there's a lot more flexibility with your bench unit or just with your rotation in general. Where, like, if, if I'm being honest, I don't think there's a lineup in this scenario with THT on the floor. I'm like, oh, no, you can't do that. Or with Lonnie, oh, no, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. But – and this isn't – this would go like if Russ was here and, like, you take – you uh, trade THT away, it works the same way. But long story short, the Lakers can't be done because it, none of this makes sense. And, you know, we should mention – you you mentioned too, Wendy and Gabriel. We didn't talk about him. He's also a very – plug and play type guy you can run him as a small ball five you could run him as a reserve four right certainly not somebody who should be overlooked even if he isn't in our initial thought process as far as how the rotation would play out he's interesting at least if he can get the three-point shot going look and i know people are going to say well what about max christie what about cole swider what about scotty pippen jr i'm just look if it works great i know it worked last season with with austin reeves but that's not the norm it's not the norm for an undrafted player to come in and earn a rotation spot. Now, again, if Cole Swider gets to be an average defender, then yeah, he's probably a rotation player, right? I'm, I just don't want you, I don't want to put that expectation out there and then have disappointment going into the season. I'd rather it be, if it happens, great. It's a pleasant surprise, but I don't think if I'm Rob Plink and I'm building out this roster, I can't go, hey, Cole Swider shot great in summer league. I don't need to go Start find him. any shooting. We're good. No, no, no. You, you can't. No, you can't. You can't do that. If they're your Blake break glass in case of emer- uh, emergency type guys, sure. Like if JTA goes down, knock on wood, you need a Cole Swider or honestly mm-hmm. even a Max Christie to step in. Great. And that's the last point. That's the best thing I think we can give Rob Palenka in this front office. They went as the barrel was not full of wings that could defend and shoot. At least got some guys that can defend. You look at the wings and they now have wing depth. So JTA misses a few games. Okay, cool. You have Troy Brown Jr., Max Christie, Cole Swider. Uh, well, THT's struggling. He might need to get out of the rotation or whatever. Trey Brown's hurt. Let's say two at the same time. Okay, cool. JTA, Stanley, raised their minutes. You still have LeBron and you're going big anyway. So cool. I think you just have a lot more options, a variety with your wings, especially and that's something you cannot say about last year's roster. If you could say it, then none, none of those guys could defend. You could have Melo, sure, but he can't guard. LeBron, he's a shoe-in, and then you're relying on Stanley to play 35 minutes. So I think there's a lot more flexibility with your wings that you have this year. I think just to just to close it out, I'll answer my own question. Is, is this year's roster better than last year's? Um, here's a list. Carmelo Anthony, DJ Augustine, who, by the way, was fine for the Lakers last year, but... Carmelo Anthony, DJ Augustine, Kent Bazemore, Avery Bradley, Wayne Ellington, Dwight Howard. Uh, who else is in here? I mean, Mason Jones got some got some minutes last year at certain points. Uh, DJ. Guess, yeah, yeah, DeAndre Jordan. Uh, well, I mean, DeAndre Jordan's on. I'm looking for guys who are not on rosters right now. Okay. Dwight Howard. Oh, right. Okay. DeAndre Jordan's on a roster, but think about all the guys I just named. Somehow. Uh, Kent Bazemore was the one that I missed there. That's a lot. That's a lot of guys. Oh, Trevor Ariza also. That's, That's a lot. That's a lot of guys that were on the team and were expected to play rotation minutes. I mean, think about it. Some of the big signings from last season were Mello, Wayne Ellington, Trevor Ariza, Dwight Howard. All of these guys... This jumble of players, they're not NBA players right now. Are any now, of those maybe, guys under 35? I'm being dead serious. Maybe Wayne, but even then, I'm not sure. Wayne Ellington is 34 right now. 
according to ESPN. Mage shock. So, I mean, so he just barely slides slides under the, the limit there. But the, when I look at is this roster better than the last seasons? Yes, because a lot of the guys that were on last season's roster, based on what the the market is telling us right now, are no longer NBA players. And I think the Lakers got NBA players. So just by virtue of that, <laughs> even, even just foregoing all the fit stuff, I think this roster is better. Now again, Carmelo Anthony, he if he wants to play, he probably lands somewhere at, at some point, right? There's there's some possibility there. But in general, a lot of the Lakers roster last season had guys that it turned out they were done. So, yes, I think this team is better than last season. Maybe that's a low bar to clear, but I think this team is better. Very low bar to clear there. <laughs> In any event, I, Sean, I really am excited about next season. I'm already going through like Lakers withdrawals, and uh, and, and I can't wait to get everything going again. But I know no. we came across you know negative in general, but I, that's more just why I'm optimistic that something's going to happen because the pieces don't fit. But I'm excited to see a younger team out there on the floor this next season and see what they can do compared to what last season's bunch did. No, of course. That's why I'm excited, man. A little bit of Lakers withdrawal myself, and that's why you like to be crazy. When I hopped on, like, heck yeah, man! I'm, I can't wait. Um, but, we just spent an hour talking about the Lakers roster, so yeah. that's just it. I had planned for this show to be about a half an hour. That that that's telling right there, right? In terms of how excited we are for next season, we had planned for about a half an hour, and here we are at about double that for the show. But that's also just kind of what happens when we start talking Lakers basketball. So, in any event. I think that's a good place to wrap things up. Lakers Nation, thank you guys so much for listening or watching, depending on where you are consuming this show, whether it's on YouTube or over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Make sure you do follow us. Uh, follow us on social media, at uh, Lakers Nation on Twitter and Facebook, at Lakers Nation Official on Instagram, at LakersNation.com, over on TikTok. Uh, you can find, uh, well, go find Sean on Spaces on Twitter, which is where he'll probably be. Go wish him happy birthday, even though by the time you're hearing this, it's a day late. You can find me at Trevor underscore Lane over on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.